0: In the late 1980s, Robertson McQuilkin's wife, Muriel, was first diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. Over time, her condition became worse and worse. Here's Dr. McQuilkin. It's like I was traveling
1: away from her in the olden days, and I would recount our times together, our love times, our fun times, our crisis times. I'd rehearse those and and it was just delightful. It was like I was there. It was I was living it over again. And so now I'm on a little longer journey.
0: This is Family Life Today. Our host is the president of Family Life, Dennis Rainey. And I'm Bob Lepine. We'll hear about a long journey of love and a promise kept on today's program. Stay tuned. Welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us. Often when I have the opportunity to speak at one of our Family Life Weekend to Remember marriage conferences, I tell folks about Dr. Robertson McQuilkin Mm -hmm. and uh, share with them his example of sacrificial, unconditional, till death do us part love that he demonstrated for his wife Muriel. This week we have uh, been featuring his story. We actually spoke with Dr. McQuilkin It's been almost a decade now. It was nine years ago, and he was still caring for Muriel at the time. This was 1999. She eventually passed away in 2003, but it was a real privilege to sit down and explore with Dr. McQuilkin the the heart of a man committed to loving his wife and loving her well. And so, Well, we're going to listen now to part three of that conversation recorded a number of years ago with Dr. Robertson McQuilkin.
2: One of the things you've said that has kept you going um, are all the memories, Um, memories of her wit and uh, kind of how she would flash back at you. Mm -hmm. And there's one story I want you to share with our listeners um, where she rebuked you. That's just a classic story that I think uh, points out the differences between men and women in a beautiful way. I think you're uh, referring
1: to the time we were in bed discussing some earth-shaking theme, which I do not remember, and uh, I was just demolishing her arguments with superb logic <laughs> are you
2: saying you were arguing uh, with her <laughs> uh-huh, Yeah. I,
1: discussing so uh, I, but I if, if I ever do seem to be prevailing in a situation like that then I start feeling bad about it <laughs> and, and get, but she didn't wait for any sympathy or pity she just reared up on one elbow and flashed those gray green, green eyes at me and she said well let me tell you something Logic's not everything, and feeling's not nothing
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> when I read that story, I thought, that is a great statement that is for especially for a man to hear you know you know those stories and and
0: Dennis talked about how there's comfort in those memories, but I would think mixed in with the comfort of those memories would be a an ongoing sense of loss i mean. That's how she was. But that's not how she's been over the last seven years. No. It's like I was traveling away from her
1: in the olden days. And I would recount our times together. Our love times, our fun times, our crisis times. I'd re- rehearse those. And, and it was just d- delightful. It was like I was there. It was I was living it over again. And so now... I'm on a little longer journey, or she's on a journey. And uh, no, it's pure pleasure to recount those. Now, if I was wired up, if I was programmed in my head so that I was thinking about, oh, but I don't have this anymore, oh, but what if it hadn't been this way, then sure, I could get bent out of shape, and I don't take any credit for it, I give it the Lord credit for anything good that I ever think or do, but I don't feel any immediate intervention on God's part. It's just that's not the way I am. I know you'd like to 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 have me feel an agony and a pain and a wrestling and a battle because that would help a lot of people and I wish
0: I could, but frankly, that's not
1: been my experience. Well,
0: <laughs> you don't ever go to bed at night and and pray and say, Lord, just tomorrow, one day where it's like it used to be? I've never done that.
1: When I go to bed at night, I thank the Lord for my sweetheart. And she's just lying there. Actually, when she's asleep, it's just like the old days, when she was asleep. Hmm. And uh, I say, Lord, keep watch over in the night. Mm-hmm. And don't let her have any bad dreams. Speak peace to her spirit. Marty has a theory that, my daughter Marty has a theory that The Holy Spirit bypasses the mental and the... Since our brain's all tangled up, he just bypasses all that and speaks to our spirit. Hmm. I don't know what the theology of that is, but
2: I like it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, in in 1992, you did have a down period, though. You had resigned your seminary post Mm -hmm. two years earlier. Your uh, eldest son had been killed in a a diving accident. And... um, your joy in your own words had drained away and um, you said that your passion and your love for God had frozen over. Mm. It took a, a retreat for you mm. in a mountain hideaway mm. to refresh that. And, and in the process of that, you said the heavy heart is lifted on the wings of praise. Explain that to our listeners.
1: I had discovered it earlier in life, but I'm a slow learner, and when I had these heavy blows, I wasn't asking God why. I never asked why, that's his business. And and I we're in a fallen world and I often say, Why not? Why not me? They're dying of cancer. Why not so that wasn't a problem with me. But I was just bunged up emotionally, all these poundings and uh it was more like The passion had gone out of our relationship, and I knew I I was in...
2: You're speaking of your love for God at this point. Yes,
1: yes. And uh, so I knew I was in trouble, and whenever I'm in trouble, big trouble, I try to get away for a few days of fasting and prayer. Uh, So I went away, and it took me about 24 hours to pull my focus off of my own traumas and troubles and problems. My faith at that point was more like resignation.
2: What do you mean by that?
1: In other words, I'm resigned. What? Okay, God, whatever you want, that's okay. But uh, it's not faith. It's not a buoyant, tight connection with God. It's not joy in your confidence and trust. So I finally got my word, my thoughts away from that as I read the Psalms and as I sang the hymns. Take a hymn book with me. And as I did and got my focus on him and began to list all the things about him I like, all the wonderful things he's done in the world, all the wonderful things he's done for me, that's when I discovered a heavy heart lifts on the wings of praise. So it was through praise that I was reconnected. Of course, he'd never broken the connection, but uh, I sort of got deaf.
2: You know, as you were talking, I was thinking about uh, Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle." And you just hit on a a profound theological principle that's taught throughout the Bible, and it's the the theological principle of remembrance, that we need to recall Mm. what God has done. And if we forget what God has done, we'll forget to trust Him today. Mm -hmm. We'll forget who He is. And we'll grumble in our tents.
1: I started to say amen, but actually it's bad news if we do that. (laughs) And that's one of the things God has been teaching me, and in recent times, back in the early days before I resigned, he taught me about love from a different end. It was how much Muriel wanted to be with me, how much she depended on me, how she expressed all day long her affection for me and her gratitude for every little thing. And uh, Actually, she would go in search of you, right? That, during that stage, she would. we were half a mile away, the office from home, and she would walk. She's a speed walker. Sometimes she walked up to 10 times a day, round trip. That'd be 10 miles. In search of you? In search. Coming to my office to find me, where I might be inaccessible, but she would come. And uh, one time I was helping her with her shoes, taking off her shoes at night, and her feet were bloody from all that walking. And I thought to myself, God, is that how I love you? I must be with you, no matter what it costs, to constantly express my my love and my appreciation and my thanksgiving and and my trust. I'm secure in him. And I asked him to help me love him the way she loved me. Hmm. But now, of course, that's all gone. I think she may be a little more content when I'm around, but she doesn't really know anything much. Uh, what subterranean, we don't know. but uh, She
2: doesn't speak he, to you?
1: Not for about seven years. Mm-hmm. So he's taught me a lot about love for him, my relationship with Muriel.
0: There came a point in the progression of her Alzheimer's when there was an early end to the intimacy that a couple experiences in the marriage relationship. That had to be a hard reality for you to face as a man. Actually,
1: surprisingly, um, the two things, after everything else seemed to be gone, the two things that she was happy about and responsive to was eating. That's why I had to learn to be a good cook because she enjoyed good food. Mm. She was a good cook and she wanted good food. Mm. And the other was just kissing or affection and those relationships so people are surprised but um uh, that lasted long after
2: you mentioned uh, earlier that um she hadn't spoken to you in 7 years hmm. there was a moment however on a valentine's day and the reason valentine's day is so important is it goes all the way back to when you proposed to her back in 1947 right that's right yeah so Valentine's Day had a very special meaning in your relationship
1: very special actually if you had a few hours I'd tell you about some of those Valentine's Days some of them were really extraordinary (laughs) but uh, she had come to the place where she wasn't couldn't say a sentence and even words were just occasional and they didn't always make good sense sometimes yes when she meant no and so forth this particular uh Valentine's Eve, I was contemplating an article I just read that said in Alzheimer's care it's the caregiver that's the victim. And I thought, hmm, strange. I don't feel like a victim. Never did feel like a victim. Wonder why. And she doesn't feel like a victim. We sort of missed that. And then I began rehearsing all these Valentine stories. The next morning, I was on my exocycle at the foot of the bed. I threw that away. I can't stand it. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) But I do run. (laughs) At any rate, I was then on the exocycle. And and when she woke up there, as she often did during those days, as soon as she saw me, she'd break into this big smile. Hmm. Of course, that made my day. Actually, when she smiles, I hang a flag out front. Hmm. (laughs) so that my friends and neighbors can tell that's a smile day so uh, this was a smile day she smiled and while she was looking at me and smiling she paused and just as clear as a crystal chime she said love, love love oh I hopped off I came over and hugged her and I said oh honey you really do love me don't you and She couldn't do words like she wanted to, of course. She was looking for an affirmation, and she said, I'm nice. Hmm. And uh, almost the last word she ever said. That's six or seven years ago.
0: Do you wonder if, and I've heard this, I've heard of people who have been in comas for a long period of time and right before they go home, they they come back out and they talk and they're lucid. Mm. Do you wonder? Do you think ahead and think? I wonder if I'll have that.
1: One time when we were talking, my sister and I were talking about Muriel, and uh of course she didn't understand, doesn't anything, and and Amy said, "You know, when we get to heaven, I wonder." If she's gonna say, you Turkeys didn't think I knew what was going on. <laughs> but I heard everything he said. <laughs> so, but you see, the coma experience is quite common, mm-hmm. at least you hear of it often. Mm-hmm. But that's a totally different physiological thing than having your mm-hmm. your neurons entangled mm-hmm. up there. So really there's no connecting going on. Of course I'd love to have it. Um, but I'm not not, holding I'm not holding. for it.
0: You know, it was uh, not long after Muriel died that uh, Robertson wrote another article about her homegoing. And uh, we have a link on our website at familylife.com to the uh, article that he wrote so that listeners can reflect on that transition in his life as well. I think the thing that just stands out uh, and has always stood out to us is uh, the remarkable character. And, you know, Robertson always thought, I'm not doing anything extraordinary or special. I'm just doing what I promised to do. And I guess the thing that makes it remarkable and extraordinary is because so few people today would do it with good cheer and with grace and with compassion and with sacrifice as he did it.
2: And, and you know, Bob, what he was talking about there at the end was really missing uh, a relationship, missing being connected heart-to-heart, mind-to-mind, soul-to-soul with, with Muriel. And that's what marriage is. It's the mingling of, of, of two souls. It's, it's not just two bodies coming together. Marriage is uh, a commitment, body, soul, and spirit. Uh, of two people to one another, husband and wife. And, And I just want to take you back where we started the beginning of this broadcast when I exhorted our listeners to come to a weekend to remember, because what we will help you do is reconnect body, soul, and spirit to one another, because that's what makes a great marriage. And if you haven't been to one of our conferences in a few years, or you've never been, or if you're a single and contemplating marriage, there's no better way to invest in your marriage and the future of your family than to spend a weekend with us. And to get the biblical blueprints for how two people can truly connect like Robertson was talking about.
0: We've got all of the information about the upcoming season of Family Life Weekend to Remember Marriage Conferences on our website at familylife.com. It lists not only Philadelphia where I'll be speaking, but actually we've got conferences east to west, north to south. I was looking last night. We're going to be in Palm Beach Gardens in Florida and in Blaine, Washington, which is about as far north as you can go without being in Canada. We're going to be in San Diego, California, and uh, I saw we're going to be in New York State as well. If you'd like to find out when the conference is coming to a city near where you live or a city you'd like to travel to, go to our website, familylife.com, or call 1-800-FL-TODAY. Get the weekend blocked out on your calendar and then make reservations to attend one of our Family Life Weekend to Remember marriage conferences when it comes to a city near you this fall. And be sure when you get in touch with us to request a copy of Dr. Robertson McQuilkin's book called A Promise Kept. I know couples who have given copies of this book as an anniversary gift. It really is a great telling of a great love story. And you can find out how to request a copy when you go online at familylife.com or you can call us at 1-800-FL-TODAY and we'll make arrangements to have a copy of the book sent out to you. You know, as we conclude today, one of the things that I think most impressed us in our conversation with Dr. McQuilkin was just his commitment to perseverance, to finishing well, and to uh, doing the right thing. And he wrote a prayer that he included in his book, A Promise Kept, called Let Me Get Home Before Dark. We asked him while he was here to share that prayer with our listeners. Here again is Dr. McQuilkin. It's sundown,
1: Lord. The shadows of my life stretch back into the dimness of the years long spent. I fear not death, for that grim foe betrays himself at last, thrusting me forever into life, life with you, unsoiled and free. But I do fear. I fear the dark specter may come too soon. Or do I mean too late? That I should end before I finish or finish, but not well, that I should stain your honor, shame your name, grieve your loving heart. Few, they tell me, finish well. Lord, let me get home before dark. The darkness of a spirit grown mean and small, fruit shriveled on the vine, bitter to the taste of my companion's Burden to be borne by those brave few who love me still. No, Lord, let the fruit grow lush and sweet, a joy to all who taste, spirit sign of God at work, stronger, fuller, brighter at the end. Lord, let me get home before dark. The darkness of tattered gifts, rust locked, half spent, or ill spent, a life that once was used of God, now set aside. Grief for glories gone, or fretting for a task God never gave. Mourning in the hollow chambers of memory, gazing on the faded banners of victories long gone. Cannot I run well unto the end? Lord, let me get home before dark. The outer me decays. I do not fret or ask reprieve. The ebbing strength but weans me from Mother Earth and grows me up for heaven. I do not cling to shadows cast by immortality. I do not patch the scaffold lent to build the real, eternal me. I do not clutch about me my cocoon, vainly struggling to hold hostage a free spirit, pressing to be born. But will I reach the gate in lingering pain, body distorted, grotesque? Or will it be a mind wandering untethered, Among light fantasies or grim terrors. Of your grace, Father, I humbly ask. Let me get home
0: before dark. Family Life Today is a production of Family Life of Little Rock, Arkansas. Help for today. Hope for tomorrow.